boy, oh boy, we have a part two. We do. And people had to wait a week. They sure did. And they couldn't just binge it. Or did they wait two weeks? We were looking at the No, I meant for our show. Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I hope everybody's still with us. They didn't, I don't know, vibrate with anticipation. I hope they did vibrate with anticipation. Just not to the point where they went back in time and saved their mother and then caused a chain reaction that ended up with a war between Aquaman and Wonder Woman. If anybody did do that, please let me know. Oh, this is the entire point of <laughs> the entire story of Flashpoint. I don't know what that is. We watched the movie version. Did we? Yeah. When? Well, a while ago. Was I there? <laughs> I yeah. Pretty. Was, was I paying any attention at all? I can't tell you that. I can't. Aquaman. Yeah. Aquaman cheated on his wife with Wonder Woman, and then there was a big war. Was this a cartoon? Yeah. Okay. And Joker was Batman's mom. Yes. Yeah. I love Joker as Batman's mom. It's a good story. I need more of it. Yeah, I really thought that there was more of it. And yeah. There, there wasn't. I think we talked about it being more <laughs> in-depth than it ever was. Yeah. I forgot about the whole war thing. It was like the main part of it. Hmm. Well, I wish the main part of it had been Joker's mom. <laughs> Joker right? as Batman's mom. Yeah, that's way more interesting. <laughs> I still think about that sometimes. Yeah. Totally forgot it was related to the other thing. <laughs> Guess, guess what storyline I'm into. <laughs> <laughs> Dead babies. That's the one. <laughs> it makes sense. Now that's a backstory I can get behind. Yeah, real good. Let's see. Her baby died in a horrible way and she lost her mind. And so did so did the dad. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, I understand. Now let's, now let's go. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Well, I have something else that we had been talking about off off camera. <laughs> we were talking about the cigarette smoking man and whether or not he smoked real cigarettes because he smokes them very weird. Yeah. He smokes them like into the he like leans his his <laughs> head back and like puffs on the very end. And he doesn't hold them between his two fingers. No, he doesn't. And then it's just very odd. So I looked it up, and he actually did smoke cigarettes, real cigarettes, in the first two episodes, but later changed to herbal cigarettes, giving the reason that smoking was dangerous for his health. Oh, well, that's a good reason. So herbal cigarettes, do you think that they were... Sage? Marijuana cigarettes. (laughs) Oh, he's taking the pot on TV. (laughs) Yep. I wonder if that's... Well, it's got to be better than the nicotine and the tar. But if he's actually inhaling, it's still got to be bad for his lungs. It just depends on what it is, because we inhale all kinds of weird stuff. Like the candle fumes. That's true. Can't really be that great for you. You don't want to inhale those candle fumes sent by the Ottoman Empire when you think that they're trying to avoid a war with you. No, but you can let your servants do it, and then you have all the jewels at the end. That's right. We've been watching The Great. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ready to get into it? Our part two of question mark. (laughs) I was actually trying to waste as much time in the intro as possible so as to build the anticipation for the part two. Oh. Or just to torture listeners. I see. They could just skip this. Uh, what? (laughs) Well, that's news to me.
Greetings, listeners of Domestic International and Extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley. And this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who somehow never saw The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast about... <laughs> Stop looking at me like You're that. You're gonna get it right? <laughs> Where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. Yay! <laughs> Today we are discussing Season 2, Episode 6, Ascension. It is a continuation of the other episode. Dwayne Barry. Dwayne Barry, which was before it. Yes. That one aired on October 14th, 1994. This one aired October 21st, 1994. Oh, I guess the next one is two weeks later. Mm -hmm. Got it. It was written by Paul Brown, directed by Michael Lang. It's his third episode directing. Is Paul Brown new? I don't recognize his name. Me neither. All right. Well, for the cast, we have everybody we had last time. Um, Steve rails back as Dwayne Barry. I finally looked up who he might have been because uh-huh. you kept asking me to. So here are four options that you may have known him from. Okay. Barb Wire. Uh, I did see it, but uh, like one time in the 90s. Life Force. I don't know what that is. Ed Gein. (laughs) I know who that is. (laughs) Probably didn't see the movie. And The Stuntman. The Stuntman. No, none of them. Those were the top four that you you might know him from. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even go in. Well, I I did then go into the rest of it to see if I could pick out what it may have been that you knew him from. Right. But the top four were so obscure to me that I was like, I'm just going to use these. Yeah, no point in deep diving. So I don't know where you know him from. Me neither, apparently. I looked up the cop in this episode. He is Steve McCage. He is in Stargate SG-1. His name is Colonel Makepeace. <laughs> I did watch quite a bit of SG1, so I bet that's how I recognize him. He's also Ben's father in It. Oh, the the 90 1991 one or 1990? Yes. One? Okay. So maybe. Yeah, we did recently watch half of that. I know. I have a feeling we're never going to finish it. <laughs> we can anytime you want. I know. I have a feeling we're <laughs> never going to finish it. And he was also in Deep Throat. As one of the men in black. Oh. He's uncredited, so you may or may not have seen his face in the background, but hmm. I thought it was interesting that he was also in that. We got a lot of people doubling up these we days. We do. Speaking of, I looked up the tram operator, who is not credited as tram operator in the IMDb. He's credited as Dwight. His <sighs> name is not mentioned ever. I bet he's got a patch on his shirt. Maybe. But Dwight is Peter LaCroix. Peter LaCroix. He was in EBE. He was Rainheim and Frank Druce. Ah, the truck driver. Yep. Huh. Okay. I just remembered LaCroix because I had, we had some sort of dumb thing to say about LaCroix. I can't imagine us saying anything dumb on this podcast. (laughs) And do you want to know what IMDb has to say about this? Yes, I do. I I desperately need to know imdb has to say about this episode okay well let me look it up because i forgot to add it (laughs) desperately huh desperately Mulder and agent krychek are in a race against time to find and rescue abducted scully before crazed Dwayne barry can take her to what he believes to be his alien puppet masters wow that's 
that's an intense description. It really is. So Dwayne Berry had 8.7 rating out of 10 on IMDb, and Ascension has an 8.7 rating on Ooh. IMDb. Wow. I would rate this one a lot lower than the last one. Me too. Well, we open in Washington, D.C. at 11.23 p.m. This is a continuation of the night before. I have everything that happened the night before, but mainly what you need to know is this is from Mulder's perspective. He gets home. It's storming outside still. He hits his... his Answering machine. His video recorder. Yes, his answering machine. It rewinds a tape because this is when tapes were in there. (laughs) And I wonder, is it one of those micro tapes or is it a full-size tape? Because remember, they used to be full-size tapes and then they went into those little micro tapes. I bet it's a micro tape at this time. Probably a micro tape. Um, because when we finally got an answering machine, it was micro tapes. And it was also like built into the phone base. Hmm. Like it was not a separate thing. So we're going with micro tape. Yeah. I think we're going micro tape. I think so. So we hear Scully on the machine. She says, Mulder, it's me. I just had something incredibly strange happen. This piece of metal they took out Dwayne Barry, it has some kind of code on it. I ran it through a scanner, and some kind of serial number came up. What the hell is this thing, Mulder? It's almost as if... It's almost as if someone was using it to catalog him. Almost. Almost. Then we hear the breaking glass. Scully gasps. She yells, Mulder, I need your help. This is all on the the answering machine. And then it's basically Mulder's hearing what happened that night when Dwayne Berry abducts Scully. So then Mulder pulls up to Scully's house... There are people all over because an FBI agent has gotten abducted. Yeah, would you yell, Mulder, I need your help? Or would you start yelling out, it's Dwayne Barry? I think Just I would to s- be specific. I think I would say who it was. Yeah, I do too. They did figure it out immediately, though. I, two and two, he did escape the hospital. So it makes sense that they could figure it out. But I still think Scully would have I do too. said, oh, it's Dwayne Barry. When she saw him through the window... She would have been like, shit, Dwayne's outside my window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's coming through the window instead of the door. Yeah. I feel like she would have mentioned yelling Like, it's help- going to take him a minute to get through this window after breaking it. <laughs> this is a terrible decision on his part. He could have just kicked in the door. Mulder, I need your help. Yes. I do think she would have yelled help, which makes sense. But also, it's Dwayne Barry. I think, how many times... Does Scully need to be assaulted in her home before she just keeps her gun on her? instead before she, of Before she moves. I mean, she could have maybe already moved. That's true. Because she was in an apartment before and now she's in a house. Yeah, so she did move. She did move. She had to move after... Oh, uh, they got split up. Well, they after she got reassigned. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. I feel like the subway station, the metro, goes to wherever Quantico and the FBI building. Uh, yeah, but maybe she just wanted to live closer. Maybe. I guess. Maybe. Maybe Quantico has housing for her. Maybe. Maybe. I maybe she should start keeping her gun on her at all times. I think that's it. Victim blame. That's the way to go. This is a thing I've said multiple times now. And how many times do you get kidnapped or assaulted before? What kind of vibe are you putting out there? I'm just thinking, so if something were to happen one of these days... You, your whole thing would be, why didn't you have the gun on you? Not you. And I would be like... You're not an FBI agent who's been assaulted multiple times in your own home. Because nobody's supposed to be after me. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> it's unnecessary. <laughs> I have done absolutely nothing. Correct. I agree. I agree with me. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Mulder shows his badge, goes into the house. They're doing whatever they do in the scene. There's blood everywhere. There's chunks of hair in blood. Somebody's dusting for fingerprints. So oh, maybe that's how they found out that it was okay. Barry. Uh, he walks over to a glass round table in the middle of the room, and that's where he sees that it's cracked and has Scully's blood and red hair stuck in it. But no, like, scalp. No. And when they show that scene, she slams her hand on it. Yeah. Oh, he also, Mulder also hears Dwayne Barry say, come on, lady. Though maybe he recognized oh, the voice. That's true. I don't like how they do this because the way that it, this is shot it makes it look like Mulder is intuiting what happened oh, it's yeah. like he's having these flashes he gets up to the house and then it's he stops and he looks into the middle distance and then it shows what happened to Scully yeah I don't like it it's like he's having psychic visions yeah yeah I hate it you are correct you are 100% on that don't like it so we are seeing a mix of the assault and Mulder walking through this bloody crime scene. There's a policeman at the door that we overhear in the background saying, I'm sorry, ma'am, but you can't disturb a crime scene. And it's Margaret Scully. She says, but this is my daughter's apartment. Let me go. I have to get through. I have to get in. And honestly, you're not, you're not keeping me out. If I think that my child is in there and I can see this place is crawling with cops and there's blood everywhere... I don't, I don't know how much you're paid, sir, but you're going to have to arrest me for assaulting an officer. I'm getting in one way or another. I mean, they will do that. I know. Just if, saying. It's just, if you hurt their feelings, they will. Get out your little ticket pad or whatever, because I'm coming in. Assaulting the feelings of an officer. Yes. Mulder comes up and basically walks her away from the other person. He's about to touch her shoulder when he realizes he has blood on his fingers. Yeah. Which is beautiful timing because the officer at the door is like ma'am you can't come in and disturb this crime scene while Mulder has just walked through the crime scene and apparently touched everything <laughs> with no gloves on Ugh. so he does tell her that she's not there and Margaret Scully asks where is she we don't know so that's when the opening credits happen and this is when I asked oh is this the same Scully's mom as before because every time I try to picture Scully's mom, I picture Laura Palmer's mom. <laughs> right. And I can't stop. Can't even, stop, won't stop. Even now, after two more episodes. Well, no, I guess just one more episode with her in it. Right now, I'm trying to picture Scully's mom. Nope, Laura Palmer's mom. Well, it is the same Margaret Scully. Yes. We verified. The next scene when we come back from opening credits is three minutes later. It is 11.46 p.m. outside the house. There's reporters and cameramen. We see all of this. Margaret Scully is telling David Duchovny, Mulder, that she had she knew this would happen. She had a dream. She's a psychic, too. And she was going to call, but she didn't want to call because Scully didn't believe in this kind of thing and would laugh at her. And so I came over so she could laugh in my face. Right. And I was thinking about this. As a parent, as a mom specifically, who has terrible nightmares, and I have sent texts and things to make sure. Obviously, this is 1994, so you would call. I would have called, but I've sent texts to be like, hey, I had a really terrifying dream about my child. Is he okay? Yeah, he's fine. 
thanks. It's okay. Yeah. I expect to be Margaret Scully's age and still being like, shit, I had a nightmare. Ring, ring. <laughs> Riley, you alive? <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, you want to laugh that this is a silly thing that I'm doing and you're okay? The reason that you can laugh about it is because you're okay. That's fine. Guess what? My ego, not a problem in this situation. Also, if you're that worried about it actually happening, you take the time to drive over there. I feel like she should have called. You just should have called. Also, her husband just recently died. Yeah. She's home alone. She's having bad dreams about her FBI daughter. Poor just, Margaret Scully. Just call. It's okay. It's okay. What I tell new parents is when they drop their kids off at the daycare and they get real stressed out and they're like, I want to know if they're okay, but I'm afraid of calling. Just call. Just call. You are not the first parent to do it and it will make you feel so much better <laughs> because your kid's fine. <laughs> but it will make you feel so much better. So just do it. And when you're a 50-year-old lady and you've got a grown daughter in the FBI, just call. We're parents. That's what we're supposed to do. Just call. Also, Margaret Scully says that she had this dream and Scully wouldn't believe this, so she would have laughed. And uh, just go listen to the Circle Time episodes about how, <laughs> how woo-woo Scully was as a teenager. So the next scene we're at the FBI headquarters... It is 8.03 a.m. The cigarette-smoking man sits off to the side, smoking. Skinner walks slowly around a table as he speaks. Sitting at the table are Mulder, Krychek, and numerous other officials. There is one woman at this table, and she never says a thing. No, she's in another scene later and also doesn't say a thing. Nope. They're reviewing Scully's work, most notably the work the hostage negotiators failed to do in the last episode, which states that Dwayne Barry had a propensity for violent deviant behavior due to brain damage from a gunshot wound to the head. I would like to remind everybody, the gunshot wound is from his own weapon. We never get an explanation of what happened to him on that mountain. Mm -mm. Krychek also mentions the alien abduction theory, that if Dwayne takes someone else to the abduction site, he won't be taken himself, which was kind of alluded to in the first episode, but only vaguely. Yeah. And if they have a tracking device on Dwayne Barry, doesn't make sense at all. Um, so anyway, Mulder asks how Dwayne could have found Scully, suggesting he tracked her with the shrapnel that she had. Skinner tells him to turn over his records to HRT, and Mulder wants to talk to them himself. What did we decide HRT was? Hostage recovery Ret team? Retrieval yeah, team? Something like that. He's dismissed, Mulder is dismissed, because he's been up all night, and also he's too close to this case. Skinner assigns Krychek to see Mulder home. Now, was he up all night with Gilbert Gottfried, or was he up all night with Rhonda Shear? Uh, he was up all night with the other podcast that I listen to that talks that watches the Goosebumps. I see. Now we are on Route 229 in Rixieville, Virginia, at 11.23 a.m. Great name for a town. Rixieville? I love it. Okay. I want to move there. Okay. The song playing the first time that we see Dwayne Barry is Red Right Hand, performed by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. This song is one of the more popular ones showcased in the movie Dumb and Dumber. came out in 1994 also. Mm. It hit the theaters the same year as, as this episode. Uh, recently, the song has become famous as the opening theme to Netflix's Peaky Blinders. Oh. Which has been on air since 2013. Wow, really? Yeah. It's also prominently featured in the movie Scream. Cannot picture it. Yeah, it's not one I watch often. Well, uh, Dwayne is driving around, and he gets pulled over by a police car. 
he does pull over, and the cop gets out of his car. He has his hand on his weapon. Dwayne rolls down the window, but doesn't turn off the music. So we get the he's, whole he's, song. He's jamming out. He is. Scully is bound and gagged in his trunk. And the cop asks Dwayne to turn off the music. He doesn't. The cop asks again, and Dwayne does. But he's like, hey, can you just give me this ticket already? I've got places to be. Which, honestly... Reasonable. I have wanted to say before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, we already know you're giving me a ticket. Can you just write it? You can either give me the ticket or the lecture. You can't do both. Right? <laughs> what, what are, I got time for one. Thanks. The cop notices the medical bracelet and blood on Dwayne's knuckles. Guns are drawn, and the cop loses. And because Scully distracts him. Well, she can't see what's happening. No, but she waits so long to make any noise back there. She does. It's like she was setting up that cop. <laughs> It's sort of like that movie we watched where the deaf lady was being stalked by the guy. Oh, yes. And she straight up gets the other dude killed. Yes. Because he's fighting the guy and she's, now's a good time to distract him. Yes. What was that movie called? I can't remember. She was in a cabin in the woods, but it wasn't Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> no. And <sighs> she was next, but it wasn't your next. No. Correct. <laughs> I don't remember. Mm, me neither. So now we are at the FBI headquarters video production unit. It is 3.11 p.m. I don't know if any of these times actually mean anything or if they're just like... I guess it's how long Scully's been kidnapped. I guess. Oh, this is the fun scene where Mulder points to the monitor that has the surveillance shot of Dwayne Barry looking in the trunk with the officer in the road. It's from the dash cam. Yeah. And they do a super-duper high-tech photo stuff to get a clear shot that it's Scully gagged and alive in the trunk. They're like, oh my god, zoom in. There's a woman in that trunk. <laughs> zoom in on the face. Oh my god, it's the woman that we know he kidnapped. <laughs> yes. Why are they surprised by this? I can understand that they're happy that she's still alive because it's verification that she's alive. Right, but they act like they're surprised that it's Scully. They really do. Oh, and then Mulder prints out the picture. Yeah, pass this around so everybody knows what their friend looks like. Right. <laughs> we have no other pictures of this FBI agent. <laughs> pass this around so everybody knows what the most well-liked FBI agent in history looks like. <laughs> Um, a little bit later at the FBI headquarters, it is 4.08. Mulder is back at his desk. He's listening to a tape recording of the hostage situation from yesterday or last week's episode or whatever day this is compared to that day. He's looking at the picture of bound and gagged Scully. Krychek brings coffee. They chatter a bit, but Mulder figures out that they're going to the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is beautiful this time of year. It is. Just any time of year. So whenever you're listening to this. It's beautiful there. Yes. We see Krychek in the parking lot, in the parking garage, on the phone with someone mysterious. Mulder approaches as Krychek says, He thinks Scully's been taken to Skyland Mountain. I'll hold him off until they locate her. I did a voice. You did. <laughs> it wasn't a Krychek voice, but it, it was a voice. It was a voice. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you said I should do voices. I like it. <laughs> Mulder says, Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> get in the car and drive off then guess who we see oh the cigarette smoking man still holding the phone to his ear like two minutes after they hung up with each other yep they've already driven away <laughs> and he's like now i will dramatically pull the phone away and put the antenna down because antennas used to have phones 
I mean, yes. because phones used to have antennas. <laughs> so, shocking! Wow. Crycheck. Never would have guessed. And the cigarette smoking man. Didn't we already see them together? I think so, yeah. <laughs> but it was a reveal, so, so there. We are now on Route 211 in Warrenton, Virginia. It is 5.43 p.m. Crycheck and Mulder speed down the road. Mulder's eyes are closed. He's driving. I so. mean, sometimes you gotta rest your eyes. Yeah. Even when you're driving. As long as you keep the wheel straight, <laughs> you're gonna be fine. He doesn't, though. No. He drifts over into the oncoming traffic, and Crycheck looks at him, and then hears honking, and is like, Blah! And there's, well, that, that was Crycheck and the semi. That's the difference between a professional driver and an amateur driver. I can close my eyes, be just fine. Wow, don't do that. Please stop. <laughs> Crycheck wants to drive because Mulder is obviously an unsafe driver again. And Mulder refuses because he says, no, I want to drive. I'm fine. I'm clearly fine. Clearly you are. I almost drove us into a semi because I closed my eyes. But it was one of those flat-faced semis. So we had plenty of time. It was fine. It's fine. Get off my back. <laughs> You're not my mom. <laughs> Now at Skyland Mountain, Skyland, Virginia, I have so much to say about this scene. Crycheck and Mulder are walking with the tram operator. The operator is looking at a mugshot of Barry. Mulder has a death wish. I get it. He's concerned for Scully's well-being, but this is just dumb and reckless. It's several minutes of ridiculousness. It is pretty bad. They had to get their money's worth from this gondola rental. <laughs> They can't just put a mannequin in there and send it up and it be okay. They tried that. It has to be drama. So a bit of trivia about this location. It's actually Grouse Mountain and it's historical aerial tramway located on the North Shores Mountains overlooking Vancouver, Canada. Oh. It was filmed as Skyland Mountain and tramway. Mulder performed his own stunt by hanging precariously from this tramway. I could tell actually this on our second watch. I was like... Now, he's definitely hanging off of something there. Where is it, though? Yeah. Can he actually touch? Right. But it was definitely a shot of David Duchovny hanging off the side of it. Yeah, it was probably where if he had fallen, he would have fallen onto the mountain not too far away. <laughs> like, but like a, two, yeah. a foot down. One of the things that they discuss is how fast this tram can go. And so I looked up how fast do cable cars go. And I got a couple of things, so I'm going to share it with everybody. So again, Wikipedia, because it's just easy. Um, the significance of detachable chairlift technology is primarily the speed and capacity. Mm -hmm. Detachable chairlifts move far faster than their fixed-up brethren. I don't know who wrote this. It wasn't me. <laughs> Averaging 1,000 feet per minute, which is 11.3 miles per hour or 18 kilometers an hour, versus a typical fixed grip speed of 500 feet per minute, which is 5.6 miles an hour. So the reason that this is important is because it's saying that based on these two different types, detachable and um, fixed grip, which is not exactly what this is, but we have, we have between five and a half miles an hour and 11 miles an hour. And this thing was going 30 at one point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's ridiculous. So then I looked up streetcars. I was like, okay, let's find all of these things on cables. How fast do any of these things go? There is a website called streetcar.org. So I was like, they probably know about streetcars. The cables move at a constant 9.5 miles per hour. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is in kilometers. If a cable car is going faster than that, it's a sure thing that the car is going downhill and the grip is not holding the rope tightly. <laughs> so again, 
We see this cable car going. He says, don't make, don't let it go more than 15, right? Yes. And 15 is already significantly faster than any variation <laughs> that I could find. <laughs> and then it's going 30 miles an hour. Why can it even go that fast? Like if it's not safe. Right. Why, why does it have the capability? Right. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I know our car's speedometer goes to ridiculous amounts, ridiculous speeds that our cars probably can't actually go. I've never tried to go as fast as my car says it can go. <laughs> but why would you do this? Yeah. Especially if it's three times as fast as it should be going. Now, if you're the tram operator and it's going so fast that when he hits that tower, something bad's going to happen, why don't you just shut it down? I don't know. You get on there and you say, hey, slow down, instead of just shutting it down, then calling him and saying, hey, you're stuck unless I turn it back on. Yeah. Keep it under 15. Right. It's terrible. There's a We all, we being the trivia IMDb people and me, have problems with this yeah i do too because i get that he threatened you with a gun is why you let him on there right but once he's up there you're in control yes i mean in theory because as Mulder reaches the top crycheck pistol whips the operator who remains out for the rest of the time there at the lift i guess i think he killed him you think he killed him that's what Mulder alleges later because he just never he disappears i think crycheck after what you had me do i think that's what he's talking about <sighs> Mulder climbs out of the gondola, Crycheck watches on video, and turns the machine back on. It's unclear if he's helping or what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he turns the machine back on. I think he's trying to shake Mulder loose so he falls. That's what I thought too. But, but then he just lets it keep going. Yeah, at yeah. a reasonable pace. He doesn't try to shake him. He doesn't turn it on and off real fast. <laughs> so, you know, or something. It's unclear. Regardless, the gondola makes it to the station and Mulder runs through the dark because the sun set at some point. While he was hanging off the side. Yeah. There's some trivia about this. So the cable car ride to the summit of Grouse Mountain in British Columbia takes 14 minutes. Oh. If you're doing it the the way you're supposed to do it. Factoring in the delay caused by Crycheck in this story, Mulder's ascent would have taken only about 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how long that delay was. But that's what they're estimating. This person's estimating. However, the overhead sky changes from full daylight as Mulder boards the cable car to blazing orange sunset when the car is halted on the way up to nighttime darkness when Mulder disembarks at the top. That sun sets fast. And also, this takes a long time. A lot more than 45 minutes (laughs) to film. Well, when Mulder gets to the top, he's running through the dark. Full dark. He finds Dwayne's car with blood and Scully's cross necklace in the trunk. Mulder hears yelling and finds Dwayne, who's celebrating them. But first he sees that bright light. Does he see it first? Oh, he sees it. He sees it like as soon as he gets out of the car. Scully's car. Gets in the trunk, grabs the necklace. Then there's the spotlight that's a helicopter? Question mark? Right. Because it sounds like a helicopter at first, but then when it flies away, it sounds more like a jet. Right. And when we next see Dwayne Barry, he's got the... Burns on the side of his face like Colonel Budahas. Right, like a jet. I was just thinking those jets. The, yeah, the... Uh, the military jets. The military, military UFOs. Yep. So we think it's that, right? I think that's what... I think that's what we think. I think... Yeah, that's what I think. I think that's what Mulder thinks too. At the end, because he says At it's a end, helicopter. Right. He doesn't think that right now. Right now he thinks that Dwayne Barry has murdered Scully and, I don't know, thrown her off the mountain or something. <laughs> 
So that light, you're right, that light happens and then disappears. And then Mulder hears Dwayne Barry yelling, runs to find him. Now I guess it's raining also. It seemed like it was raining. Yeah, I think it was raining when he was at Scully's car too. And he's grabbing on to Dwayne as the aliens or something come up over the side of the mountain, which turns out to be the helicopter. But Dwayne Barry doesn't know that. He thinks that the aliens are coming back. The whole thing was Dwayne brought Scully to the mountain to be abducted instead of him in his place and is celebrating, obviously, being free. But then when the lights come back up, he's like, oh no, they're coming back for me. Yeah, he thinks it's the aliens coming to get him. The next time we see them, after the lights, they are in the Skyland Mountains Summit building. It's 8.46 p.m. Did we ever see who the lights were? No. That's real weird, now that I think about it. Because we, we don't. The next thing that we see is them inside yeah, the I, building. Yeah, I have this picture of FBI with Skinner coming in, but they come into the hotel yep. or lodge. Yeah, they come in later, where Mulder and Dwayne Barry are sitting. Yeah. So who was the lights? I I have no idea. I was assuming it was whoever was... It has to be Krychek and some other FBI people. Right. Must be. But then when it is Krychek and some other FBI people outside the window that Dwayne Barry sees, Krychek pretends that there are no other people. Well, because Dwayne Barry sees the military guys, the right. men in black. Right. Krychek's there too. Yeah. But he sees the men in black, not FBI guys. Oh, okay. But Mulder would have definitely noticed. Whoever came out of that bright light, right. Mulder would have seen them. Yes. Now I'm just very confused. Me too. Hmm. Well, it does turn out that it was a helicopter because that's what Mulder says. They've captured Dwayne and Mulder. I guess I assumed that the helicopter came to get them. That's what I thought too. But now who, yeah, but who was in the helicopter? It was definitely two different, well not definitely, but it was most likely two different things. Right. Yes. Because the first one got Scully. The first one got Scully and burned Dwayne's face. Yeah, so that's probably the military UFO. Yes. And then the second one that came up, Mulder says is a helicopter. But no, Mulder said the first one was a helicopter. Oh. Or at least that's how I took it. I took it as the second one because I was thinking that light that came up and then we cut that scene was a helicopter getting them off the mountain and taking them back down to the ground level. Okay. All very confusing. Didn't realize how confusing it was until we started talking about yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So, all right. We still don't know where Scully is, but everyone's dry now, so don't worry. <laughs> no pneumonia. However, Dwayne still has blood on his face, even though it was raining outside before. Mulder questions Dwayne about Scully. Dwayne sticks to his story that they took her, they, air quotes, took her in place of Dwayne, that that was the deal with this episode. Dwayne sees Krychek and two other goons outside the window, which is what we were just alluding to, the men in black. Dwayne yells that they know. Ask them, they know. But Mulder has his back to the window and doesn't see the men in black and Krychek. Mulder sees Scully's hair stuck in some blood on the medical bracelet and chokes Dwayne, which comes up 1100 times (laughs) in the autopsy. (laughs) And it was a terrible choke. It was bad, but I mean... It was a Hollywood choke hold, yes. I guess. Yeah, it was it was bad, but also like I don't want to see Mulder choke out Dwayne for real. It doesn't need to be realistic for me. I'm okay. When Mulder is leaving, Dwayne apologizes apologizes, saying that they had to take her and he hopes that they aren't hurting her too much with the tests. He does seem very sorry. He does. And it does make sense because if he is being abducted And basically tortured. Yes. And the only way out of it is to replace himself. He's a desperate man. 
It makes sense. It's yeah. a bad scenario. It's yeah. bad for everybody. And after he's done, it's done. He's remorseful, but he'd still rather it not be him. Yes. It makes sense. His situation makes sense to me. So Mulder leaves. Krychek stops him. Mulder asks Krychek if he was out here alone. And Krychek lies. He says, of course I'm just out here by myself. Like, psh. Oh, we also don't know if those men in black guys were real or not. That's another thing. We don't know what if this is real. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and I wrote, or Dwayne is hallucinating maybe, but probably not. I just said probably not because he's definitely burned from something. Yeah. And we don't trust Krychek. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Mulder has a vision, again. Scully is on a white table. There's a drill and some air sounds. We see a flat-bellied Scully with a thing attached to her belly button. It blows her up like a balloon. Now she's preggers. Boo! This is the worst thing that's happened in this show yet. I'm so disappointed in so, this. So, thumbs down on the aliens impregnating Scully? Yeah. I am so disappointed in this arc. Well? Yeah, it just started, so yay. <laughs> Can't wait. Yep. Can't wait for the conclusion of this one. Mulder snaps out of his vision and sees Krychek interrogating Dwayne, which makes Mulder super mad. Yes. Because Mulder says, nobody can interrogate him except for me who can also abuse him and threaten him and almost kill him. How dare you, sir? Well, when you're comparing that to the next guy who comes in and does kill him, I'm leaning Mulder on this one. Well, well. Skinner shows up, tells Mulder that he broke the rules, and no one is surprised. (laughs) There are no consequences, by the way, so I would continue breaking the rules also. I mean, he actually gets rewarded at the end. He does. Look at this privilege. (laughs) Still no one's told him to use hair gel or any product of any kind. Just a little pomade. Just a little bit. A little smoothing milk. A little Garnier Fructis. We had that in the 90s? We did, yeah. (sighs) He can have a shower orgasm. That's right. (laughs) And smell delightful all day long. Dwayne is choking, this time without Walter's help. It doesn't look good. Mulder acts concerned. EMTs move Mulder out of the way and start CPR. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And they just keep counting. (laughs) Because now it's Sesame Street in my head. They actually do what they're supposed to do. So next we see in the FBI Academy morgue at Quantico, Virginia at 6.07 a.m. So the next day, Barry's body is under a sheet on the table. His toe tag reads, medical examiner, name, Barry, comma, Dwayne. Case number 197735, date 6-1794, where taken from? Skyland, Virginia. Mulder is standing over it. A female doctor walks in, and she's like, dude, why are you in my office? (laughs) He's like, hey, nobody ever asks me that. Right. Uh, He wants a copy of the report. She points out the choking damage and says he will have to go through the regular military channels because the body is at Quantico and there was no FBI doctor available. Scenario seems a little weird to me. It's supposed to be. It's just, one, it points out again, it reinforces that Scully is not there. Yeah. Quantico, FBI, autopsies. Figured that, but is Quantico really under military jurisdiction? Does That doesn't seem accurate. It doesn't? No. It felt fine to me. Uh, both executive branch, but... Military is definitely different than intelligence. (laughs) That's why they have their own intelligence. Right. I don't know. Either way, it's on purpose so that Mulder has to go through extra channels. So that he can't get the toxicology report. Yes. Yeah. The doctor moves the body 
after she says some stuff to Mulder. It's like she pushes him three or four feet away. <laughs> and then you see her leave right behind Mulder. Yeah. <laughs> so she just walked in to move the body over a little <laughs> and then left. Yeah. Whatever. Do they wheel the body out? Mm-mm. No? Okay. She just walks out. <laughs> Downtown Washington at 6.16 a.m. Krychek walks through an underground parking lot wearily, looking around as he walks. He opens the driver's side door of his car and gets in. He looks to his right and sees the bum 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 cigarette smoking man. That we've There's... seen him with all a few times. I know. Clears his throat. They discuss why Mulder can't be killed. It's a pretty weak explanation. Yeah, if this is the reason that they're giving, like, period, and there's not more than this, yeah, insufficient. It really is, because they're saying if they kill Mulder, then they will martyr him. Yeah. But to who? Then one man's religion will become a crusade. Yeah, exactly. Who, the lone gunman? Those three dweebs? Right? Then they're going to what? Keep doing what they're currently doing? Right. And it seems to be having zero impact on anyone, so... (laughs) So, all of the FBI agents who have such great respect for Mulder... Everybody who talks about him still in the training school by making fun of him... Right. I don't... Who are they martyring him to? No, this is not a good enough explanation. Is it us? Is it supposed to be us? Oh, if they kill him, I'm gonna go out and start researching aliens? I don't think so. I don't think so. It doesn't seem like the public at large cares anything about Mulder. Hmm. I don't know who they're martyring him to. There's gotta be a deeper... A reveal in season nine is like, that's actually Mulder's dad. Oh, I saw a question that asked if Cigarette Smoking Man was Mulder's dad. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny, because that's the only reasonable thing I can actually think. But he sees him. He does. But if they're like deep cover covert sort of thing they can't they gotta pretend they don't know each other smoky man's gotta pretend to be against Mulder. oh you think they're actually working together oh no i don't actually think any of this i think they came up with a terrible reason for him not getting murked well we have so many seasons to find out what they do with this yes we do but at this stage we both agree it's very weak. I, I just thought it was interesting that you're like, Cigarette Smoking Man, his dad. And you'd seen something. Today. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't open it because I was like, what? Whatever. So now we're back at the FBI headquarters, Washington, D.C., 1036 a.m. Skinner is looking at a picture of Dwayne Barry. Mulder is being questioned about killing Dwayne. Fortunately for Mulder, Crycheck corroborates Mulder's story. Mulder accuses the military of covering up the toxicology report. Is Krychek? Krychek is not there. No, Krychek is in the wind at this point. Yes. He fucks off right after talking to the cigarette smoking man. Yes. Because cigarette smoking man, like, vaguely threatened him. Yes. And I think Krychek's smart enough to know that a vague threat is imminent doom. Yes, I agree. So at 11.45 a.m., Mulder goes to the office of Senator Richard Matheson, who was doing all of the pattern mixing in a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, and I got excited to see him. And you didn't. I was let down. And then you didn't see anybody because this whole scene is too dark for anybody's face. Yeah, but I think that's what they were going for. So he could walk into the light at the very end. I know why they did it. But my whole comment about this scene is the scene is too dark and kind of pointless. It really is. He just tells him there's nothing you can do. Yeah. 
He says, uh, like Richard, 19 times. Richard Matheson is out. He's no longer going to help you. Whoever is doing this has dirt on literally everybody in politics. Duh. Literally everybody. Period. Oh, yes. Also everybody. Period. And um, once again, Mr. X is not. Oh, he's in the scene. I didn't say that. Because you can't see anybody. <laughs> uh, Mr. X says, basically reiterates, not going to get myself killed for you, bro. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and the way that Mulder gets here is because he borrowed Krychek's car. Because Mulder doesn't have a car. Yeah, that's why he's always uh, requisitioning him. Yes. Which makes sense. I would not have a car in D.C. either. Mm, okay. It's important to know that he got here through Krychek's car because when he gets back into Krychek's car, for some reason he flips open the, the cigarette ashtray. It's open a little bit. Is that why? Yeah. And when he opens it, there are cigarettes in it. Which we had a whole discussion about, and I don't think the cigarette smoking man, one, uses those. Two, would use those in somebody else's car, because that seems rude without permission, especially if they don't smoke. And three, we're pretty sure he's flicked his cigarettes out into the wild before. Yeah, I think maybe it's a power move. Ooh. Because that one Mulder grabs is like barely smoked. I did notice that too. I was like, what a waste of a cigarette. Yeah, he lights it up, takes three puffs. Puts it out in Krychek's ashtray. Yeah. As a power move. All right. I like it as a power move. I don't like it as a mistake. Yeah. All right. You know what? Back in. Yep. I'm right. in with it being a power move because that does seem like something he would do. I like it. So now Mulder knows something. He goes back to the FBI headquarters. The timestamp says 8.11 a.m. So I guess it's the next day. Oh, weird. Hmm. Whatever. That's what the timestamp says. Skinner sits at his desk, looking at Mulder's report. Mulder stands, waiting, a thick stubble on his face. Basically, Mulder is accusing Krychek of conspiracy. Skinner asks if he's sure, which, of course, Mulder's sure. When has Mulder not been sure? Okay, but Mulder will occasionally back down from being official and on the record. That's true. And that's what Skinner was doing. He's like, he's giving him one last out. That's true. Before this goes on record. Well, he's sure. Sure, sure, sure. So Skinner calls for Krychek. Then Mulder explains his theory. The cigarettes, the military, the cover-up, Agent Scully getting too close. They talk for a little bit. Skinner receives a call. Krychek is gone. He is in the wind. So gone. He's so gone. He hasn't shown up for work. His apartment's empty. I don't know what else. Done. He's gone, gone, gone. Nobody can find him. So Skinner decides that, oh, that's, that's weird. And you know what? I don't have any power to do anything at all, ever, up to this point. I keep telling you I have no power. I only follow orders. But all of these very powerful people are terrified of the X-Files, so I'm going to reopen that. <laughs> it's, it's a bit much. But he does, he's getting ready to say something when the phone rings, and he, it cuts him off. He said, I didn't assign Crycheck. I just... And gets cut off. Yes, I was curious about that the first time that I so watched. So Skinner definitely knows something more than he's telling. Yes. So the X-Files is officially reopened while Scully is abducted. Yeah, so I got like half of what I wanted. Right. Outside of the fountain, Mulder meets with Margaret Scully. He doesn't have any news, which seems like he, this could have been a phone call. Margaret says she had that dream again. Mulder gives her Scully's cross necklace. Margaret gives it back to him and says, give it to her when he finds her. In this scene, Dana's mom says, I gave it to her on her 15th birthday, which does 
go along with the books. I don't know if it's the birthday, but it's given to her as a teenager because in the book, Devil's Advocate, she and her sister have have the matching necklaces. But she's already 15 in that, and I think they might have gotten it for Christmas together, probably when she was 14. Mm -hmm. So we're not really sure when this came up because later, tiny, it's not really a spoiler, but later in a flashback, or in a flashback in a later episode, (laughs) it reveals that she actually got the, uh, received it as a Christmas present. It doesn't say when, but whatever. Nobody knows when she got this necklace. (laughs) Well, this is the real mystery of the entire series. Why? That's why they had to come back for two more seasons. Because we never wrapped up the Scully's necklace thing. Why is a skeptic like Scully wearing a cross? Oh, I gave it to her as a gift back when we were all religious. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I see a religious person being skeptical of aliens and stuff. Yeah. No, I see that too. And I see a skeptical person wearing a gift that their mother gave them when they were a teenager, regardless of whether or not she believes in in that anymore. Yeah. Because it's a it's a personal item at this point. Could be a cat face, could be a gem, could be a cross. Whatever. So finally, Mulder goes to Skyland Mountain, Virginia. He walks up alone to the top of the hill, mountain, whatever. He looks out over the trees, then up at the stars. He stares at them, looking crestfallen. Poor Mulder. The end. So we're thinking now that it's not alien, and it never was aliens with Dwayne Barry? I think so. I think it's, he's part of an experiment with the military Military. and government. So Scully's not got, got by the aliens, she's got got by the military. Yes. What I am now starting to call the cigarette smoking organization. <laughs> yes. So Scully's with the cigarette smoking organization, mm-hmm. or the CSO. <laughs> yes. As I will be referring to it from now on. Let's see if you remember that. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but they do have alien genetic material on hand. Correct. So it's probably still an alien baby. So do you think that's what's actually happening, or do you think it's what Mulder's envisioning is happening? Oh, that's a good question. I kind of just assumed that's what was happening. But now that you say that, I hope that's the way it is. It's hard to tell because in the beginning they do these visions like he's having visions. Right. So then when they do the same shots, it's the same direction. Yeah. So he's again having visions. But he was right about the first ones. Right. So I don't know. And if Scully is abducted by the military or aliens or... Whoever. Cigarette smoking organization. The <laughs> and they're doing experiments on her on her body, on her reproductive organs. Is this going to cause problems in later episodes? Because I don't think they're going to let her loose with the alien fetus hybrid. Yeah. So are they messing with her internal organs and it's going to cause problems later? Because she's still really young. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, I'm not a fan of the alien pregnancy arc think that everybody should stop messing with women's reproductive everythings yes women's bodies can you can you guys just leave us alone okay (laughs) i'll go somewhere else (laughs) stop scrambling our insides (laughs) is that why you call them eggs so you can just get your fingers all in there wow your little fingies (laughs) 
you got to chop your finger off afterwards. That's right. Also, the great. Watch it. <laughs> All right. So who are you shipping? <laughs> I'm shipping Dana Scully and a decent character arc. Oh. Because I sure as fuck would love to see that. That might be a tall order for this season, it seems. <laughs> Her character has these great moments, and then they yeah. do shit like an entire episode where she's in the trunk of a car. Yeah. And then is pregnant with an alien at the end. She, in real life, was pregnant at this time, so they had to write her essentially out of the script for the, I don't know how many episodes while she gave birth and recovered. I feel like you could do that without damn near fridging her. I agree. I do wish they had not done her so dirty. If she had just, I don't know... Gone to see her mom for a while. Yeah. Just taking a vacation. Seeing a bit. Life's been pretty rough and I've been juggling around all of this stuff and I could use a I could use a few weeks where I don't have formaldehyde in my nostrils. Yeah. Wesley Wyndham Price took a couple weeks off because he murdered his father. Except it wasn't really his father, he just thought he murdered his father. And you know what? A couple of weeks. That makes sense. It's an easy way to get a character off a show for a couple weeks. So easy. There's so many easy ways. You don't have to damsel her. No. Eh. Gross. Well, maybe in season three she'll come back and be... Well, I guess these seasons aren't like the great and they're not ten episodes long. Yeah. So They're 24 episodes long. I'm just... I have this very clear picture in my head of a very pregnant Dana Scully and I don't know if I'm imagining that or if I did see it somewhere you once just saw it in Duchovny's vision well like walking around oh is it because we just watched the great and she is in <laughs> Jillian Anderson is in that and we watched a pregnant belly I don't think so waddle around for a full season I don't think so they weren't wearing Russian garb okay or in French brain <laughs> they're wearing the latest French styles and they still look like potatoes <laughs> okay that's what Jillian Anderson's character said. Joanna. It's great. It's great. I thought, with all the hype, I thought she was going to be in it more episodes, but her character was great. All right, who am I shipping? I don't know. Yeah. I realized I didn't ship anybody, like, two episodes ago. The tram operator and the FBI just leaving him alone to do his job. <laughs> Good relationship. <laughs> How are you surviving? Well, I already don't ski. Mm. So I'm not going to be on that tram. I don't think it's... It wasn't even open. Yeah. If I see a sweaty, wild-eyed man, I will not let him abduct me. Oh, okay. Trade me for his own body in the alien testing facilities. I would suggest even if he's not sweaty or wild-eyed. You just don't let somebody abduct you. I I feel like I need parameters, though. Okay. Otherwise, it feels like I'm accusing all men of being kidnappers. Okay. To trade me for alien test <laughs> subjects. Okay. I think how I'm surviving is if I'm an FBI agent who is repeatedly assaulted at home, I keep my gun on me. You get a large dog. That's a good one. Get a large dog. Lock your doors and windows. If somebody's breaking into your window, don't stand there yelling for a minute and a half while they crawl through. You it would can... take so long to break through that window and get in there. <laughs> seems like it would take a long time. It takes so long. Have you climbed in a window before? Yes. I used to regularly lock myself out of my apartment. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It takes so long to climb through a window when it's open, let alone smashing through it. It's true. Ugh. All right. What are you looking forward to? 
Do you have anything? Yeah, I'm looking forward to putting the dishes away as soon as we're done recording and then getting on the erg. Thinking about erging today and then I was also thinking about not erging today. Yeah, I'm also lying. I'm not looking forward to any of that, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) What am I actually looking forward to, though? You know what? I'm looking forward to the next couple of episodes of this podcast that I'm listening to called The White Vault by Fool and Scholar Productions. It's a new scripted story with the soundscaping and the voice acting is amazing. And there's doppelgangers that have just appeared, but we don't know if the originals are still there or dead or what. Mm -hmm. And it's creepy. And I really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to finding out what happens next on The White Vault. All right. I guess I am looking forward to, there's a podcast I recently discovered that's a D&D play podcast called Not Another D&D Podcast. Terrible name for the podcast. <laughs> I hate that. But it's a bunch of the college humor people. Mm. And it is absolutely hilarious. And it's fun to listen to them play D&D. And I am now 60-something episodes into it. And I'm working long hours, so i going to listen to a lot of it this week. Yeah. And the rest of the year. The rest of the year, I might be caught up. Like, I'm at the beginning of 2019. The other thing that I'm looking forward to is finding out what persimmons taste like. Yeah. We're going to make a persimmon pudding pie. That's going to be great. And I don't know... I hope. I don't know why you decided that's what we needed to find, but found them. They're in season. Yep. All right. So we're going to go do that. And you go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at thecastfiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by Atuka Art. That's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. 